0: Hi everyone and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Fall Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas and it's my privilege to be with you once again. Thanks for taking time to join us. Today is Wednesday, September 14th. Today begins our fall schedule and we're back to an in-person study in addition to our online teaching, which you can always find here on this media platform. Now over the summer we studied the book of 1 Corinthians Today, we begin a journey through 2 Corinthians. In this first session, we're going to examine how Paul introduces himself in this letter and also how he tells the Corinthians that God offers comfort to all. So open up those Bibles and or Bible apps to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and let's prepare to study. And while you're doing that, let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this journey through 2 Corinthians. I'm so excited to get to it. Thank you for all that have come to be a part of this study today. Bless them for their faithfulness to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now to start off with, I'd like to give you a brief comparison of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. In 1st Corinthians, it's practical. Here in 2nd Corinthians, it's personal. In 1st Corinthians, it focuses on the character of the church. Here in 2nd Corinthians, it focuses on Paul As he bears his soul and tells of his love for the church. 1 Corinthians also deals with questions on marriage, freedom, spiritual gifts, and order in the church. 2 Corinthians deals with the problem of false teachers, whereby Paul defends his authority and the truth of his message. In 1 Corinthians, Paul instructs in matters concerning the church's well being. Here in 2 Corinthians, Paul gives his testimony because he knows that acceptance of his advice is vital to the church's well-being. And lastly, in 1 Corinthians, it contains advice to help the church combat the pagan influences in that wicked city of Corinth. In 2 Corinthians, it contains testimony to help the church combat the havoc caused by those false teachers. It's going to be a great journey together, so let's get to it. You know, 2 Corinthians must have been a really difficult letter for Paul to write, as there were attacks on his character and authority. And although he wanted to rejoice with the Corinthians in their spiritual growth, he did not shrink from asserting his authority and disciplining those who really needed it. So let's get to reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of His holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us, Then many people will give thanks, because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Isn't that a powerful opening scripture for this study? Wow, what a way to start. Let's dive in. Verse 1 reads, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all his holy people throughout Greece. Here's the question. In this verse, how does Paul begin the letter? And is it from him alone? And to whom is he writing? Well, Paul begins this letter in a very familiar way. He identifies himself by name and then by position. Paul was an apostle of Christ Jesus. He didn't apply for the job of apostle of Jesus Christ. He was chosen for that role by God. I would encourage you to check out Galatians 1, 15 and 16 and Acts 9, 15. By introducing himself in this way, Paul was letting his readers know up front that what he would write in this letter would carry the weight of being the words of Christ. Paul also sends greetings from Timothy, who was with him as he wrote this letter from Macedonia. This was about a year after writing 1 Corinthians. It may be that Timothy served as a scribe for Paul's letter, writing it down as Paul dictated. Paul sometimes described Timothy as a son in the faith. Paul became his mentor in ministry shortly after passing through Timothy's hometown of Lystra. And Timothy's mother was Jewish, and his father was Greek. Timothy was already a believer in Jesus with good reputation among the Christians, so Paul recruited him to join his missionary team and travel with them. Timothy had previously joined Paul in Corinth when the apostle was teaching and establishing the church there. Later, Paul had sent Timothy back to Corinth as his representative to address some of the issues the church was dealing with. That visit may not have gone well leading to an even more troubling visit from Paul. Lastly, Paul identifies his audience as God's church in Corinth and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. This is a term meaning all believers in Jesus in the region of Achaia around the capital city. Number two, verse two reads, "'May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ "'give you grace and peace.'" Here's the question. Was there anything unusual about this greeting? Or was it a standard greeting that Paul used in his letters? Well, if you chose the second part of that, you are correct. This was a standard greeting Paul used in his letters and a Christian adaptation of the common letter-writing practice of the day. Now, grace is God's undeserved favor. God's graciousness is preeminently shown by the fact that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. The Greek word for peace is based on the common Hebrew greeting Shalom, meaning well-being, wholeness, and inner tranquility. For Paul, Christ's death on the cross was the only event that restored true peace. Also, by identifying God and the Lord Jesus Christ together in this verse, Paul was asserting that both the Father and the Son had granted these wonderful gifts of grace and peace. Paul was pointing to Jesus as a full person in the Godhead. Number three, verse three reads, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Here's the question. How does Paul begin this verse? And what two names does he refer to God as? Well, he starts out by offering praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul often focuses his prayers on God the Father, something possible only through personal faith in Christ the Son, who is our Lord. John 14:6? Then Paul calls God by two names, our merciful Father, and then the source of all comfort. Because God stands in the position of judge over all people, he's also the source of all mercy. Instead of executing judgment on all who deserve it, which is all of us, he freely gives mercy to those who come to him through faith in Christ. Paul understands that in the middle of our suffering and affliction, Believers must remember that God has given us mercy and will continue to do so. He's also the God of all comfort. Christians do not run from God to seek relief from their pain. They run to him as a source of comfort. God's comfort is a major theme of Second Corinthians. Some form of the word translated comfort, paraklesis, in the Greek, it appears 29 times in this letter. The idea of the word is more than just momentary relief from pain. It also involves encouragement and strengthening. God's comfort allows us to quit striving in our own strength against suffering and affliction and to rest and be strong in his strength. Number four, verse four reads, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Here's the question, why would this verse be an encouragement to the Corinthian church? Although they had not necessarily been hard pressed by external persecution, the Corinthian church had gone through a lot of internal dissension. God would comfort the Corinthians through these difficult times. When the trouble passed and the Corinthians emerged faithful, then they would be able to comfort others who needed the same comfort. You know, trials are never easy, but it's through trials that God can shape and mold our character. And often it's only through trials that we can learn about God's loving care for us. Number five, verse five says, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. The question is, how is it that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will provide comfort for us through Christ? Well, Paul expected to suffer just as Christ had suffered on this earth, enduring the ultimate humiliation, a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus had warned his disciples in John 15:20 that they could expect the same. His warning was sure appropriate for the early church experienced strong opposition and persecution. It was clear to Paul that God doesn't protect his people from suffering. According to Paul, suffering, especially trials and discomfort associated with the advancement of Christ's kingdom is God's way of allowing Christians to become more like Jesus. Check out Philippians 1:29 and Philippians 3:10. And you know Peter agreed with Paul, Christians should rejoice when they suffer, for in their own suffering they will in some small way experience what it meant for Jesus to suffer for their sins, First Peter 4, 12 and 13. In the midst of difficulties, Christians can be confident that God is present, he knows their pain, and would shower his people with his comfort through Christ. Such comfort will help believers persevere through any hardship. Number six. Verse six reads, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. The question is, how does this verse remind the Corinthians of their unity with Paul? Paul and his fellow travelers had been weighed down with troubles, as it reads, but this resulted in the Corinthians comfort and salvation. Because Paul and his fellow travelers had been comforted by God, they could be an encouragement to the Corinthians. You know, life will bring suffering and trials, but Christians should encourage the suffering person. And when the sufferer perseveres, that person will gain renewed insight, which will enable that person to encourage others who experience similar difficult situations. Then those people can patiently endure the same things. Number seven. Verse 7 says, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. The question is, what is Paul saying to the Corinthians in this verse? Paul knew the Corinthian church was struggling, and he knew that they were suffering. But his confident hope was that their struggles were for the cause of the gospel, just as he was struggling for the advancement of the gospel in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Their steadfastness to the gospel of truth and their perseverance through difficulties would enable them to share in the comfort God gives, which is a reward that was worth the agonizing struggle. Number eight. Verses eight and nine say, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. The question is, what is the key point Paul is sharing with the Corinthian church in this verse? And why is it important for us to understand it today? Paul didn't explain the details about what was happening to him in Asia, only that it involved fearing for his life. Now, commentators have suggested several possible scenarios, but that's not really what I want to talk to you about. Paul wrote that he and his companions thought they would never live through it because they were crushed and overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. So Paul's only hope was in God. Through their despair, they learned not to rely on anyone but God who raises the dead. I'm sure we've all struggled with that. We try to rely on ourselves, our own abilities, but in the end, Paul brings it into clear focus. God's power to raise from the dead was a doctrine some of the Corinthians were doubting. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul repeatedly emphasized the temporary nature of human existence in order to highlight the importance of the Christian hope in eternal life. Without a confident hope in the resurrection, the Christian faith would be useless. So Paul wrote that any amount of suffering is worth enduring for suffering makes God's people realize that God is the only one that they can really rely on. If suffering in your life produces nothing more than a fervent dependence on God and a renewed prayer life, then in God's eyes, the suffering may have been well worth the pain. Number nine, verse 10 reads, and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Here's the question. In whom does Paul say that they've placed their confidence? God who holds the ultimate power between life and death had rescued Paul. His prayer was answered. The same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead delivered Paul and his companions from mortal danger. God had not only protected them from death, but he had also given them the courage to trust that he would continue to rescue them in the future. And just like Paul, we should recount the times that God has rescued and delivered us in the past. You know, I took some time to do that and I would encourage you as well, write down on a piece of paper or do it on your laptop or your tablet or your phone, just like Paul, recounting the times that God has rescued and or delivered you in the past. I'll bet you have a terrific list and it's something we have to praise God for. And now our last question today, number 10. Verse 11 reads, And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And the final question is, How does Paul say the Corinthians helped him and his companions and what was the outcome? Paul showed an untiring belief in the effectiveness of intercessory prayer. Often he would ask churches to pray for him. Here, Paul thanked the Corinthians for praying for them. Reports of the suffering of Paul and his companions had driven the Corinthians to prayer. In response to their prayers, God had delivered them and, no doubt, would rescue them again. Past deliverance gave Paul the opportunity, in turn, to write a letter to share the news which would strengthen the Corinthians to face any difficulties they might encounter. This type of reciprocity was what Paul was trying to illustrate with his recent trial. There is no such thing as a self-reliant Christian. The whole church is inextricably joined together in its spiritual growth toward God. Because God had delivered him, Paul could encourage the Corinthians to give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for their safety. The Corinthians' praise would inspire many others and teach them of God's faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Well, folks, we've reached the end of this opening study of 2 Corinthians. I hope you found it encouraging. I hope it's enlightened you, and I hope it's challenged you. Now, I'm super excited to be back with you again next week as we continue 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, all the way to chapter 2, verse 4, and we're going to talk about Paul's change of plans. Until then, please take care, and I'll see you right back here next week. Thanks again for joining me. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.